You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Stick around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge. Thanks for tuning in. Well, good morning. We are week seven into our series, In the Beginning God, the first words of our scriptures. And uh, we have this week, and then we have next week, we get into Genesis 11 next week. And then after that, we will start our Lent series. And I'm excited to uh, do that. I, don't, I am... I am a race car. I'm already thinking two weeks, three weeks down the road, and for me to slow down is hard. The last week we looked at Noah's flood, and uh, we said that the rabbis see the flood as a recreation story. It's a retelling of the creation story, or at least there's parallels between the flood and the creation story. The days of creation are seen in the flood story. There's a blessing at the end of the flood that echoes the blessing found in Genesis 1. And we see God take a Sabbath. In Genesis 2, the first few verses of Genesis 2, we're told that God takes a rest from from creating. He didn't take a rest because he got tired. He took a rest because, like a great artist, he knows that it was enough. Creation was good. We're told it is uh, good seven times. The last time we were told it's very good. And so God knew when to say enough when he created, kind of like Michelangelo when he created the sculpture of David, 17 feet. I did not know that thing was 17 feet tall. That's huge. But imagine if, if he was still working on it today be inches tall, right? He just kept chiseling away, doesn't know when to stop. He just keeps chiseling, keeps chiseling. So God knew when to say enough. Well, he knew when to say enough when he brought about judgment too. God doesn't, just doesn't, he's just not in this endless cycle of judgment. He was like, I need to do something different. So he knew when to say enough with judgment. And he partnered with Noah to save mankind, we're going to see that this partnership is, is, a, is a theme that's going to play throughout the scriptures. God puts a bow in the clouds to remember the covenant that he established with all living things. That includes you and I. We are part of that covenant. And then we're told this at the end. The intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. The story starts here. And the story ends here. It's like bookends. And we talk, there's, there's a lot to go into that. You should probably listen to that sermon if you didn't, if you didn't hear it. But um, we still have the same problem. And do we see this in our world today that evil still plays a big part of our lives? Unfortunately, it causes fear, causes shame, causes pain causes harm. God desires partners who will work with him to bring restoration. And this invitation is extended to us through Jesus. And we we see this invitation in Matthew 4, 19. We're called to follow Jesus, to be changed by Jesus. 
and to be on mission with Jesus. And I, and I will look at that center one because that's one of the most hopeful things that I see in Jesus' call to me to be his follower. That he's going to change me. Because friends, I have needed some changing. It was a mess. And I'm not talking... 20, 30, 40 years ago, I'm talking about last week. It was a mess. Like, I still need to be changed by Jesus. And there are things that are beyond, things that I would love to change about me that I just don't know what to do with. And I think we're going to find that today in today's conversation, that there's some things that we still need to be changed about us. So don't lose sight of that. That's absolutely part of the plan. Jesus wants to change you. Well, if the flood story is a recreation story, then this week's story should match some of the themes from the garden story. We should see a garden. We should see fruit. We should see sin, nakedness, covering. We should see a curse. We might find some of these things in this week's story. Let's find out. Genesis 9, 18 through 29. The sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. Nice little parenthetical statement. These, these three were the sons of Noah, and from these the people of the whole earth were dispersed. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it on both of their shoulders and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew that is what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, shall he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem. And let Canaan be his servant after the flood. Noah lived 350 years. All the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. It's a long time to have problems with your hips. <laughs> Just thinking. My knees ache when I sit for a long time, and I'm turning 50 this year. I can't imagine another 900 years of that <laughs> and more. <laughs> well... We see some conflict here, right? We see some conflict between, between Noah and his son Shem. Uh, I'm sorry, his son Ham. But I believe that the conflict existed long before this episode. And if you've ever been part of a family, raise your hand if you've ever been part of a family. Okay, now raise your hand. Lower your hand if you've ever been part of a family that had no conflict. All right, apparently we're all raising our hands. So, 
yeah, there, there was conflict here. You know, my, my youngest and I got in an argument this last uh, August, I think it was. And it was a pretty big argument. Jasmine said some things. I said some things. I was the bigger culprit in the whole conversation. I said some things because Jasmine said some things. But here's the deal. That was not the start of our problems. That was not the start of, our, of the tension. It had been building up. And so this, this, I don't think this is the start of the tension between Noah and his boys. Throughout the story, we're told the boys are listed Shem, Ham, and Japheth, but in Genesis 10, the genealogies are flipped. The, when we're told who begot who, that begot who, that begot who, is flipped. Japheth is listed first, and Shem is and Shem is listed last. It's interesting. Like, it's almost like the author's trying to tell us that there's some favoritism going on here. And that this is the source, maybe the source of the problem. Or at least a contributor to what's going on here. You know, and it can happen in the simplest of ways. My brother, my dad always called me the number one son because I was born first, and my brother the number two son because he was born second. Guess which of the two boys enjoyed their titles but more? <laughs> Just take a, take a wild guess. And my dad never intended, honestly, I believe my dad never intended to harm my brother by calling him the number two son. But it had an impact on my brother's psyche. Just those simple words. When it says that uh, Ham saw the nakedness of his father, the rab rabbis tell us that this is the way for the scriptures to keep this rated G. That's, that this visually seeing is not the problem here. And because we have a number of kids in the room, we won't talk about what exactly took place or what the possibilities are, but we will talk about that in footnotes. But, but know that the rabbis don't believe that this is just a, an issue of looking at something. And there's some scriptural reference for that, so it's not like they're just pulling things. But I want to look at the problems of the curse. First of all, the word for curse is rar. There's different words for curse throughout the scriptures. This word is referred for one really great big guy in the sky named God. Throughout the scriptures, God uses this word. And only one time is it used for man. In other words, Noah stepped into something that wasn't his to step into. Noah stepped into something that he wasn't supposed to. Uh, Balaam is invited to curse Israel in this way, but he's not allowed to. But Noah is the only human being in the scriptures that uses the same word, a word reserved for God. It's kind of like the word that we talked about creating a few weeks ago. There's one word for creating that only God gets to create in that particular way. So 
Noah steps into something he's not supposed to. And then who gets the curse? <coughs> What's that? Yeah, the grandson, Canaan. Interesting question. Why does he get the curse? We'll talk about that in footnotes and what some of the possibilities are there. But I want you to think about the long-term implications of this curse. Because much of the conflict that Israel faces is centered on this curse. And this is family. This starts when it's family. It starts small. But the ripple effect is huge. And how many of our families have we seen this kind of tit-for-tat tension that we see in the story? Can you think of a story within your own family within the last few weeks even of how a curse came out? Well, let's take a look at this next slide because this kind of summarizes just... Um, there should be a picture. I'm not really ready for that guy yet. That guy. Okay. So we said there's, this is a recreation story, and there's been some similarities. And so with Adam's story, we see God creates, and he, when he's created enough, he says, it is good. In fact, he says, very good. At the end of the creation, there's a testing that takes place. And Eve wants to be like God. And the question is, are we going to be controlled by our desires? No. I like that answer. Yeah. And we see that both Adam and Eve show no self-control. They don't control their desires. Well, in Noah's story, we see this is that the creation story is seen in the destruction of the earth. But we see that God says, it is enough. I'm not going to destroy this way again. And again, there's this testing, this testing that takes place. Noah curses like God. Noah steps in God's role and curses his grandson. And again, the issue is lack of self-control. Self so this is, these are some of the similarities that, that we see between these two stories. Noah's curse actually gets quite a bit of press in the New Testament. I do want to look at this. So let's look at that Luke 6 passage. Jesus said, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. So Jesus says, instead of cursing those who curse you, because in a sense, when we understand what took place between Ham and his father, Noah was in a sense cursed by the actions of Ham. And the question is, what, what do we do when we are cursed by other people's actions? It happens all the time. Driving down reserve, someone cuts me off. 
one of my favorite examples. I'm not sure why. <laughs> um, am, I, am I praying godly prayers in those moments? <laughs> but I want to step back and, and talk about what it means to bless. Because I think we hear something different than, than the disciples did when they heard this for the first time. I asked some friends, you know, what are some of the blessings that you say on a regular basis? Because throughout, uh, those who practice Judaism, throughout their day, they, they are saying blessings. And this is a practice that's thousands of years old. This, this goes back to the time of Jesus. And so these are some of the blessings. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, for giving Yeshua, your Son, as your Messiah, our Redeemer, our Savior, our Atonement, and our Lord, to our people and to all people, blessed are you, O Lord, giver of salvation in Jesus the Messiah. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, the King of the universe, who fills our full tummies. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, the King of the universe, who heals our infirmities. Now, in the life of uh, someone who's practicing Judaism, which uh, Marty Solomon, our friend, he's uh, president of Bema, or I'm sorry, president of Impact the U and has the Bema podcast. But uh, throughout his day, he says blessings, dozens and dozens of blessings to the Lord every day, day after day. He says these blessings. It's kind of like you and I saying thank you and please. Like we teach our kids to say these basic things that mean so much in, in creating healthy relationships, right? Thank you. Please. Please. Thank you. In Judaism, they're taught to bless the Lord, to bless him, to bless him, to bless him over and over over and over, and I've only shown you four, but there's dozens that they say throughout the day. When they open their eyes, when their feet hit the ground for the first time, when they sit down for a meal, when they go to work, there's these blessings. And so when Jesus says, bless those who curse you, they know what blessing looks like. It's a part of their daily routine. It's a part of their vernacular. It's part of their ongoing conversation all day long. But so is curses. So are the challenges that we face that cause us to want to curse somebody because we've been cursed. Don't they happen all day long? Don't they happen in the, in the littlest of ways? but sometimes in the biggest of ways where we just feel cursed by that person. So when Jesus says, bless those who curse you, he meant in every area of life. He meant when you're driving down reserve, Rob. <laughs> when, he's, when someone says something unkind at home, when your neighbor gets unruly, when your boss acts like a jerk, Logan, I'm so sorry. 
in our everyday life, in the big things and the little things that happen. And it's, it's amazing to me how quickly I can feel cursed because someone just got distracted, because they forgot, or cursed because your agenda is different than my agenda. And the words out of my heart, they don't know to my lips, but the words out of my heart don't match what Christ calls me to. James says this, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. Right? And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness, in the image of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. James will go on to say, it's like walking up to the water fountain. And one time you got fresh water. And another time you get bitter water. And you, and you walk up to that fountain, you're not sure what you're going to get. I've been that kind of father. I've been that kind of a husband. I've been that kind of a person. Where you're just not always 100% confident what's going to come from the well. Jesus said this in Matthew 5. You have heard it that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. By the way, that's not how the, the verse reads out of Deuteronomy. Just so you know that. That hate your enemy part was added by some people. Let's not do that. <laughs> Let's not change God's word. But I, but I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. If we are going to be like our Father who is in heaven, we should be sunshine when sun is needed. We should be rain when rain is needed, regardless if the person is good or evil in our eyes. We're called to bless our enemies. We're called to pray for them. Peter says this, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, in a humble mind. If you're finding that blessing people is a challenge for you, then it might be in one of these areas, having unity of mind, having sympathy, having brotherly love, having a tender heart, having a humble mind. One of those five areas might be where you need to focus in on. One of those five areas maybe is a place where you need Jesus to continue to do his work in your heart. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Our very calling 
as a people of God is around this idea of giving blessings instead of curses. Our very calling as people of God is that we should be a blessing. And it's trusting that ultimately our blessing comes not from the people around us, but from our Father in heaven. And that he can use godly and ungodly people to bless us. But in that moment, in that time, in that, when that person in front of you is acting like a curse, and I've been on both sides of that equation so many times, but in that moment, when I feel cursed, ultimately it's not the person in front of me that holds, holds blessing in their hands. It's my Father in heaven. And I got to trust that. I got to believe that. You were called by Jesus to be a blessing. And I just invite you to think back on this, this last week. How did you do? How did you do? Last week I said that God desires to restore partners. If that is true. And I said that we are to adjust our lives to his mission. If that is true as well. It will be the way that we relate with people where his redemptive work starts. It will be in our relationships where it starts. Jesus said this, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love you have love for one another. It's our love for each other. It's our love for the community. It's even our love for the ungodly that will let people know ultimately that we follow Christ and that it matters. We're going to start passing out the elements of communion and I know we have a number of guests here today. I, I want you to know that uh, if you are here to celebrate Jesus as Lord with us, then please partake with us. As we hand out the elements, just hold on to them until uh, we'll take them together as family. The implication of this story is this. As partners with Christ, our relationships must be different. Our relationships must be different. They have to be. They have to be different within our homes, within our care groups, in the way we relate with each other Sunday mornings, our relationships with our neighbors, our relationships at work, with our community at large. Our relationships have to be different.
And our call to action is this. Bless and do not curse. For you were called to be a blessing. We were called to be a blessing. Guys, there's still work that God needs to do in my heart. When Jasmine and I had that, that argument back in August, September time frame, um, I spent a week. I uh, gave my family some peace. I stayed with Logan, hung out there, and spent a bunch of time just having some conversations with God. And uh, I started to recognize some things in my heart that I, I thought I had dealt with that I really hadn't. When I'm angry, when anger, when words come out of my mouth that are curses, that's never anybody else's fault. That's 100% mine to own. In my heart, God still has some work to do. And so since then, I've, I've, we, well, during that time frame, we were going through the Lord's Prayer, and we talked about uh, debts and trespasses because Jesus in the prayer says, forgive us our, our debts. But then after that, he says, he talks about trespasses, if you don't forgive trespasses. And so we, we talked about the difference between debts and trespasses. And debts cost us something, but trespass doesn't necessarily cost us something, but still hurts. And so I started looking at what debts and what trespasses have I not let go of. And... I've been working on a daily basis to let go of debts and trespasses. That's the um, that's one side of the coin. Not hanging on the debts, not not hanging on the trespasses. That's one side of the coin. That's helpful. My prayer now is, Lord, how do I bless my wife? How do I bless my boys? How do I bless Joy and Jasmine? How do I bless Logan? How do I bless my neighbor? How do I bless that guy driving down the reserve? <laughs> God love him. <laughs> we should be a blessing. Even Jesus hanging on the tree said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. How do you do that? How do you do that when someone takes spikes and drives them through your hands and your feet? How do you do that? Stefan did the same thing. I think it's what, Acts chapter 7? Chapter 8, somewhere in there. He's being stoned. He says the same words. Guys are throwing rocks at him. 
boulders to take his life. And he says, Father, forgive them. Unless I checked, I've, my wife hasn't tried to do that to me. <laughs> my kids haven't tried to do that. The guy in reserve, he hasn't tried to do that. But if he does, I want words of blessing to come out from me. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this and remember to me. Let's remember our Lord and Savior. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it and remember to me. Let's remember our Lord. Lord, I'm so grateful that you are not done yet. That your work of redemption is not completed. But Lord, I'm confident that you will continue that work which you started. Not just in me, but in all of us. Because that's the kind of Savior that you are. Lord, I want to partner with you to be a blessing to my community. I, Lord, I pray that that's the prayer of every person in this room, that Missoula will be forever changed because of the kind of God that you are to us and the kind of people that we could become because of you. Let's start in our homes. May we, Lord, have a vernacular blessing that just flows out of our lips. May we celebrate you as God throughout our day and be a blessing to those around us, those who matter to us the most. Then, Lord, I hope that overflows into our neighborhoods and into our community because that is the kind of God that you are, God of restoration, God of healing, a God of blessing. May you be glorified. Lord, we have one more song to sing to celebrate you as God. We love you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a new church in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you join us for worship on a Sunday. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church forward slash give. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a blessed week. We'll catch you on the flip side.